You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. Chapter 44 The Boys from Oster. Well, said Conrad Sue, his arms folded comfortably behind his head as he settled into the co pilot's seat. Can't say I'm not disappointed. I'm sorry it's not up to Sir's usual standards, replied his rescuer with light sarcasm. Sonic shower not hot enough? It was tolerable, Conrad said with a smirk. You'd think a fancy crate like this would run to a proper clawfoot tub. And maybe a spa? Prince Alec rolled his eyes and punched his friend lightly in the shoulder. I'll have one put in for Sir's next voyage. There were many things they were not going to talk about, like the weeks and weeks of imprisonment that Conrad had endured in the abandoned asteroid base that felt every inch of the medieval tower. Like the interrogation at the hands of his kidnapper, the grey-eyed man who called himself Slate. Like the fact that Conrad's wife, Jing Fei, with whom he had entered in marriage contract he assumed was based on mutual trust and pragmatism, had been selling secrets to the cardinal. Like, he closed his eyes for a minute. You all right? Alec asked. Fancy decor is giving me a headache, Conrad muttered. He'd never seen this particular ship before. Prince Alec's jacaranda was a moth fighter, sleek and ordinary on the outside, but decorated inside with detail worthy of a palace boudoir. The colour signature was matte purple, with highlights of glossy purple shot through with contrast details in violet. Iris, lavender, at least another dozen shades that Conrad would call something other than purple, if he was talking about bolts of cloth. The walls were lined with actual satin, and punctured with the occasional cluster of genuine pearls. The jacaranda was the perfect frivolous gift one might give a prince if one knew absolutely nothing about him. When Conrad had gone to clean himself up in the cabin, he discovered that the back part of the ship was far less objectionable. Someone with taste had stripped the soft furnishings off the walls and replaced them with wood panel lining, along with holographic windows that displayed familiar scenery from home. The country of Oster, in the southern hemisphere of honour, with its scalded red hills and dry grey-green foliage, and the occasional, yes, flutter of purple flowers among the dryness and the heat. A place where having a pattern of scales down your amber-brown neck didn't mark you out as an exotic freak. Conrad had been wrong. The rear half of the spaceship was worse. It made him homesick in a way he hadn't been for years. He didn't want to think about Oster. Not now, when they were travelling to entirely the wrong planet. Valor of all places. 
Chavrez had laughed at the expression on his face when he realised he wasn't being sent back to Paris. We can't afford to have the Prince Consort of the Solar System regularly disappear on rescue missions, you know, she chided. He's supposed to be keeping the home fires burning on Luna Palais, while the Regents gets all the military glory. You don't know I'd get kidnapped again, Conrad sulked in reply. Chevreuse had laughed again and wrapped her arms around both her boys until their shoulders relaxed into the friendly embrace. It was so long since they'd been together, the three of them. Conrad missed the old days, back when he and Chev and Alec were a team. Practising team joust was the only time that he and Alec could be equals instead of master and servant. He should be used to it by now. Conrad's family had served Alex since they were both children. But it was hard going when your oldest and closest friend had the power of life and death over yourself and your family. Valor will be good for you, Alex said now, breaking the silence between them. You haven't had a holiday for years. No, because I couldn't afford to leave you unsupervised, Conrad thought, but did not say aloud. I don't like the idea of you back in Paris without friends close by, was what he did say. Between the machinations of the regents and those of the cardinal, Alec had become isolated from his allies at court. The companions and servants who had originally accompanied him from honour had been stripped out one by one. And then the new supporters like Chevreuse went the same way. Conrad was the last of them. And he couldn't help Alec while hiding out on some country estate with the Duchess of Frigging Buckingham. I wish I was staying with you, Alec said, with a twisted smile. Yeah, no way that could go terribly wrong, said Conrad. After all the trouble he and Chev and the musketeers had gone to, after all the risks they'd taken to enable Alec and Buck to be together, however briefly, no, letting the two of them near each other again was the ultimate bad idea. That's not the reason, Alec said, sounding remarkably serious. I mean, yes, obviously that's the reason. I promised I would keep my distance from Buck for the remainder of my marriage contract, and I mean to keep my word. But that's not the reason I need to return so hastily to Paris. Go on, then said Conrad, his eyes fixed on his friend. Surprise me. Alec relaxed his hands from the ship controls and unfastened his embroidered jacket, letting it fall open. Underneath he wore what looked at first to be a tactical armour vest, though it had no military identification marks on it. Conrad leaned in, curious about the unfamiliar garment, and then jerked back when he realised what the flat silver pouches in the front of the vest must be. Are those the future regences of the solar system? Alex said with a wry smile. God willing, they are. Conrad pressed his hands to his mouth. But I thought... Didn't she agree to try body pregnancies rather than capsules? It was a clause in your marriage contract. 
There had been nights when Conrad had scoured that marriage contract, checking over the precise meanings of words and phrases, because he was terrified his friend was going to start a civil war by breaching it. He knew every line by heart. It was never going to happen that way, said Alec, in a flat sort of voice which made it clear he did not want to discuss the details. Anyway, the Cardinal would not support the regents uniting the fleet and going personally into battle, without some insurance left behind for the future of the crown. Lala Louise agreed to fake a body pregnancy to placate my family and the elemental factions on honour who already think I betrayed them with this marriage. It's not a bad idea for security reasons anyway. Conrad was tempted to reach out and touch the silver pouches but kept his hands to himself. The enormity of Alec's sacrifice crashed in on him. Conrad was not a particularly devout elemental, but it had always been important to Alec to follow his family's faith as closely as he could, even when his marriage to the regents meant that he had to publicly join the Church of All. Damn it! The future sovereign of the solar system was sitting on Alec's chest, along with a bunch of their backup siblings. And Alec had still thrown himself into a physical fight to rescue his friend. Why on earth would you risk them to come after me? Conrad blurted, horrified. Well, I wasn't going to leave them behind, said Alec, which didn't answer the question at all. He reached out and cuffed Conrad lightly on the back of the head. It's fine. The capsules are like armour, built to withstand laser fire and sword thrusts. It's supposed to be good for them, to experience different sounds and vibrations while they're gestating. Develops the brain better or something. Sounds and vibrations, like you punching that bastard kidnapper of mine in the head? Exactly! The jacaranda was supplied with discreet new aristocrat protocols that allowed the ship to bypass most of Valor's security requirements. They landed in a green field instead of an official air dock. Behold the beauty and glamour of the prettiest planet in the solar system, said Alec with a wave of his hand. I'd prefer dirt and eucalyptus any day of the week. Conrad muttered as the hatch slid open. Valor smelt wrong. It was all grass and buttercups. Elemental, yes. The planetary gravity was heavy and welcoming. This whole sunshine and rolling green pastures business was going to take a lot of getting used to. You're so fucking spoiled, Alec laughed. Go braid some daisies. Such a productive use of my skills, Conrad sighed. He didn't want to go. Alec might have pod babies to protect, but he was terrible at looking after himself. We should go on to Paris together. Nope, said Alec, leaping up from the pilot's chair and physically manhandling Conrad out the hatch. Embrace the dirt side lifestyle. I hear they grow their own vegetables down here. Conrad butted his head lightly against that of his prince. 
vegetables are overrated. You can end up assassinated and badly dressed. You need me. Yeah, Alex said, his voice dropping its usual archness. I need you, mate. So keep yourself alive until that cute musketeer of yours comes to rescue you. She's not a musketeer, Conrad muttered, and she's not cute either. She's kind of amazing. Dana d'Artagnan. He could wait a long time for a woman like her. Fine, I'll lock myself in another fucking tower, start growing my hair like the damsel I obviously am. Alex's eyes danced with amusement. Or find some decent fleur de players to practice against while you're here. They've closed the league for the war, but next year... Next year is ours, baby. Conrad grinned at that. I'll work on staying alive. You grow some fetuses. And arrange to get chevreuse transferred back to Paris. We'll have the old team back together by next year. They exchanged manly punches. And then Prince Alec stepped back to the jacaranda and flew away. Conrad stood on his own in a green field, surrounded by dandelions and bluebells. In the far distance, he could see a large estate that had to be Buck's formal residence. Right, he sighed to himself, beginning to walk. A package holiday on the wrong planet, in the middle of nowhere, with the Duchess of Buckingham. Could be worse. Buck swam. She hadn't used this pool in years except as a site for decadent parties. And even then she preferred to swan around in amazing outfits instead of actually getting wet. Over the last few days she had come here regularly to swim methodical laps. The ritual of it was comforting and made her think that maybe she could get through this. On the rare occasions, she held her breath too long, allowed herself to flirt with the possibility of drowning herself. The first thing she saw when she burst clear of the surface would be winter. Winter. She'd watched footage of the real Milord de Winter, Minister for the Interior, and while he was similar to her parasite in so many ways, she knew that he was a different creature, weapon creature, weapon. If Buck swam hard and fast enough until her limbs shook with exhaustion when she finally clambered out of the pool, then sleep without dreams became a possibility. Not today. Today there was a pretty young man with amber-brown skin and dark eyes grinning at her from across the pool. His hair had been electric blue last time she saw Conrad Sue, but now it had grown out to its natural shiny black with blue at the tips. A pattern of gleaming gold scales ran down the side of his neck and under his shirt. Hey, said Buck, spitting out a mouthful of water because she was cool like that. Thanks for letting me crash here, said Conrad, shielding his face against the bright sunlight. You sure it's okay? As Buck stared at him, 
she saw Winter approach Conrad on his silent bare feet. His hair blazed silver in the same sunlight. Winter leaned in and licked the side of Conrad's neck. Conrad did not react because he couldn't feel the other touch, the touch of the other man. Winter did not exist, except in Buck's head. That didn't mean he was not a danger to them both. Buck shivered, the sun warm water around her body dropping in temperature. It's fine, she said, glad to have you. We're going to have some fun together. Thank you for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional owners and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Twitter at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. See you next week.